Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. The World Cup draw closes in and Jonathan Johnson and James Ben join to discuss possible scenarios, the competitive margin between the favorites and everybody else. And of course, still breaking down the host nation and the social and political issues behind it. The World Cup draw preview and so much more around it begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kego Lasso. Thank you so much for being with us. Kego Lasso pod on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kego Lasso. And of course, CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. Right then, the World Cup draw is upon us as almost, I say almost because we still have some playoff games. Everything is almost set for the competition in November. And joining me, of course, CBS Sports very own dynamic duo, James Bench. How are you, buddy? I am. I'm very well. I'm buzzing for this. I feel like this international break has flown by and brought us lots of drama and like it's probably not going to disappoint tomorrow. Let's hope not. Jonathan Johnson, how is it? Do you feel the same? Hey there, guys. Great to be on. Yeah, very much looking forward to this. I mean, I think it's always one of those moments that everyone looks forward to when you start to get hyped up for a World Cup is just after you've had the draw, you know what some of the groups are going to look like. Obviously, we won't know all of them this time around, but, uh, you know, still pretty uh, still pretty psyched to, to, to be uh, getting to tomorrow and actually uh, getting some of these teams drawn together. Absolutely. And make sure to follow both these uh, fine gentlemen's content on CBS Sports, of course, regarding the preview to the World Cup and so much more. Before we begin and get into the nitty gritty of the teams and the parts and the draw, et cetera, et cetera, we do have to obviously discuss uh, pretty much the most important thing, right? We tape as there have been obviously pre-draw meetings and events from FIFA in Qatar. Uh, Gianni Infantino, of course, uh, speaking and many others, uh, you know, answering questions from from journalists from all over the world. It, we can't take away, James Bench, the fact that there has been a massive controversy surrounding the fact that this World Cup is in Qatar. Where do you think we stand right now as we get the draw going? And I guess from now until November. I suppose it's just our responsibility every time we kind of come to talk about the World Cup, which I have no doubt will be in footballing terms, a, a fantastic tournament, just to remind ourselves how we got here. Um, obviously, in part, that is about talking about the corruption within FIFA back when the, the decision was made. But but really, you know, we need to remind the world every time we talk about this World Cup that it has come at a huge cost. Um, estimates that I believe The Guardian had last year of 6,000 deaths um, building this, this state, the stadium, building these World Cups. We will never know. It is incredibly dispiriting and depressing seeing how many people have died kind of to a shrug 
from the Qatari authorities who, have, of course, have come out fighting that and will make claims, debatable claims, about how the World Cup has, has helped them move on and develop. But look, this World Cup, this event, which will doubtless be a, a spectacular footballing event, has come at a real cost and we can never not talk about that and we can kind of never allow it to just be sports washing the reputation of, of Qatar. And we, so we do have to always talk about it and people get bored about hearing it on podcasts, but you're going to keep hearing it from me and, and from everyone else here. Yeah, I agree with Benj that I think it's definitely not going to let us down in terms of the football action, but it is important to remind ourselves sort of every step of the way, uh, you know, how this has uh, come into being. I mean, I counter as well, um, you know, Benj is saying about how, you know, there was a lot of corruption rife within FIFA uh, sort of years ago when the vote was made. It still seems that there's a lot of corruption, uh, you know, rife within FIFA. I mean, you look at some of the comments that have come out in sort of the preamble meetings before the draw, uh, you know, and there's been a lot of uh, sort of disappointing, uh, you know, stuff put out there. No, you know, no fewer guilty than uh, Infantino himself uh, and some of the stuff that he said, uh, you know, ahead of this draw. So, you know. While, you know, I expect that people will still be very vocal uh, about, you know, potentially boycotting this tournament, wanting to see, uh, you know, more uh, examples set by the likes of Kylian Mbappe, who, uh, it's my understanding, uh, refused an invitation to be there for the draw uh, and obviously plays for Qatari-owned PSG uh, as well. Uh, but, you know, I think it is important that we don't lose sight of, you know, everything that has been reported over the years, uh, like Benj was saying, uh, in the build-up to this tournament and the cost in, ter in human terms, not, uh, you know, necessarily in financial terms, uh, you know, that has gone uh, towards this. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to both your points and James Bench, as you started this, uh, as we celebrate the game, because literally that's why these fans and all of us included are so invested, because we love this game specifically from an international component, the historical connotations that the World Cup brings. This one, we have to continue discussing, obviously, the controversy that surrounds behind getting this done in the first place. Uh, let's move on here because we need to do set the scene as the World Cup draw is on Friday, of course. Uh, first of all, it's good to have the three of us, I feel, when to discuss this particular topic, CBS Sports being a US-based uh, platform, of course. CONCACAF has been a major top uh talking point uh, we have in soccer we trust as uh, Heath and Jimmy said goodbye to us and moved with Charlie Davis to better things I guess as uh, the USMNT returns to the World Cup as well but also you know Mexico and Canada Mexico with all the drama they reached the same amount of points as Canada in qualifying as well so that's 2080 so it's Canada Mexico the USMNT who came third losing to Costa Rica who have that playoff spot by the way so Jonathan Johnson let's begin with you let's get a let's get a non North American point of view on CONCACAF how do you see about it it's, you know not just the USMNT but the chances of 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 the ones that have already qualified Canada Mexico and the US Oh, first of all, uh, really excited to see Canada at a World Cup. I think they've got some brilliant uh, players in the in the current squad. Really excited to see what Jonathan David can do at an international tournament, same with Alfonso Davies as well. Um, I think as well, sort of in terms of the bigger picture, I'm really keen to see how Canada, Mexico uh, and the USMNT perform uh, in Qatar because it'll be an indicator of, as to, you know, who might be 
the strongest out of all of them. Uh, you know, when, of course, uh, the World Cup is partially on home soil in 2026 when it's split between the three countries. So that's definitely something that's going to interest me. Uh, I did sort of find it a bit amusing, uh, sort of, you know, the the, the way that this uh, qualification has been celebrated uh, you know, over over in the States. Of course, it's a huge deal. It's great to have uh, the US uh, going back to a World Cup after missing out last time. I just felt it was done in sort of typical USMNT style where it was left to be as dramatic as was possible, uh, you know, and still going through despite the the loss to, to Costa Rica. I know it would have taken a massive goal differential for, for Costa Rica to have usurped them, but still, uh, you know, I think that at the beginning of qualification, the US probably would have been expecting themselves to be battling out with Mexico for a top spot, not losing out to Canada and Mexico and finishing third uh, in the final of those automatic berths. I suppose Greg Berhalter would contend that, you know, I mean, there's no there's no reward for for topping your group and maybe we should argue that actually the teams that come through qualifying the best especially in you know in the Ocho and in uh, in South America should be rewarded in some way but like he got there he got got the job done and pretty much it was done with a game to spare which is always a good sign in qualifying i'm i'm super intrigued by what this us team can do because there's a lot of young talent there that i still can't quite see it, that it that it's fully blending into a an eleven. Like I think you still have big question marks about your goalkeeper. You've got big question marks about your striker. Uh, but other than that, there's some really nice spots and like the talent is there. And obviously, we're looking as as JJ was saying, we're looking at all of this partly with a view to 2026. But Mexico, like I haven't followed a huge amount of their progress, but I like the look of a lot of their squad. Edson Alvarez has been excellent with Ajax. I think Raul Jimenez, game by game, is looking more like the Raul Jimenez we remember. I guess there's always that curse with Mexico that they do produce a lot of technically excellent inside forwards. Um, and maybe like if you look at the squad, the defensive area looks a bit lacking. Um, but like they're good. They look like they're good to do what they always do and, and get to the second round and then lose which is yeah. <laughs> eight times. Yeah, that's right. Eight consecutive appearance. And I think that's something worth mentioning once again. It's something that I talked about. The thing about El Tri, and I, you have a very good point about the USMNT, both of you. I called it, JJ, uh, the celebration of the USMNT returning uh, after losing to Costa Rica, like a wet fart. You know, it was, uh, you know, kind of uh, pleasing, uh, you know, as it leaves your body, but you know, there was right. a sentiment of, of, of wetness. But, you De know. Defin definitely the sort of thing that Jimmy Conrad enjoys. <laughs> <laughs> but Bench, you bring a good point and something that I always think about. And it's not just the USMNT. I think about this about Mexico. I think about this about uh, Canada. Or, or, you know, outside of that sort of uh, intersectional competition that they have against each other, they really haven't been tested. Like, really. Like, I, I want to see them face, mm. you know, European nations. You know, I want to see tough African nations. I want a Canada to face a Tunisia, for example, who only conceded two goals in qualifying. Or a Switzerland, who they're not that sexy, but they're very stingy. Mexico is an interesting one because, you know, it's all about momentum for them. They need to reach their peak by the time November comes. And, you know, I don't, I don't even know if Tata Martino will want to stick around all this time until November. You make a good point against Raul Jimenez, but I think Chicharito uh, not being in this squad is a mistake. You know, so there are many issues here. Having said all that, you know, it's exciting to see a Canadian side return for the first time in 36 years, Mexico and USMNT return. So, you know, it would be interesting. Let's move on. Jonathan Johnson, Inter-Confederation playoffs. Anything on this? Costa Rica against New Zealand, Australia or United 
Arab Emirates against Peru. Uh, and they're all going to be in June. And I think Peru's game is going to be on my birthday. So that, that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's all, it's all pointing one way. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, to be honest, I, I think if I'm looking at those games at this moment in time, uh, I'm I'm fearful for a few teams. Uh, luckily for you, I'm uh, I'm I'm not too fearful for for Peru. Uh, I'm more thinking uh, the likes of Australia, who I think have just been dreadful now for a long time. There's a lot. Uh, of pressure building up uh, criticism of the federation uh, of Graham Arnold, who is uh, who, who is the current uh, Australian uh, coach. Uh, and at this point in time, I mean, despite the fact that they go up against uh, UAE uh, before any potential matchup with Peru, you know, it, it looks like a long shot, uh, you know, them getting through those two matches and, and, and booking their place uh, in Qatar at this moment in time. You know, we, we're, we're talking about... Um, you know, one of probably the most um, dysfunctional teams that I've seen trying to qualify. Uh, and, you know, I, I I don't know that I would fancy them, uh, you know, if they ma- did manage to make it into the World Cup. So I think that's definitely a positive for uh, Peru. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously we've spoken at length uh, about the Wales-Scotland-Ukraine uh, path from, uh, from UEFA, which remains to be resolved. So it's really now a question of knowing what happens there if Ukraine are going to be able to play uh, and uh, if they are, uh, you know, who makes it through out of uh, the three of them. But, uh, you know, for me, I think the one that's probably the most predictable at this moment in time uh, is that matchup, potential matchup between Australia and Peru, uh, because I'd expect Australia to get past UAE. Uh, and I'd also fancy Costa Rica uh, just about over New Zealand as well. Yeah. The koala bears against Paddington bear, isn't it? That's what I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm hyped for. Um, so, Australia, so it's very interesting. We've had this big conversation. Leonardo Bonucci has brought it up about how, you know, relatively tough every, every you know, every continent's qualification is. Bonucci was talking nonsense, saying UEFA's was particularly hard. But actually, if you kind of look at it, Asia has become a really tough place to get out of suddenly. 100%. Saudi Arabia, by virtue of, you know, pretty much imp- importing aging stars into their league system you can see that they have become a much better national team and that their own players have improved dramatically and so finishing third behind Saudi Arabia and Japan that have always been good that's like it's not a a, a shame it's, it's, obviously no, it's, it's pretty clear when you saw group yeah when you read the Australian press they are they did not see this coming and it is a bit of a crisis for them but and the squad does does not look anything like you know the sort of twenty tens that sort of vintage of Cahill, you know, or even before then Kuehl, Viduka, all those guys. This isn't a vintage Australia squad, but um, like they, I think that's the that's the one that could be really really fun and really interesting aside from UEFA. And with that, we still have to say like we're talking about June as if it will happen. We really do not know. That is now fast approaching i don't know that that ukraine will be able to field a team or or how that team will work um and certainly you know you could take that right the way down to qatar if they make it like that i think we almost just have to say not a clue but if it's wales or scotland that get through two really good teams there that i think could could get out of their groups yeah not a really good point specifically about ukraine this is uh you know things are way more important than this competition in terms of what's going on with them but you know june will happen in a blink of an eye and who's to say if they can even feel the team as you said i think asia 
it's kind of a mirror of what's going on all over. I think the thin margin between, you know, the pot one favorites and everybody else is pretty thin. It's pretty competitive. We're going to get into that in a second. And uh, yes, uh, Australia and Peru did face each other in Russia in 2018. Um, uh, It was the last game of the group stages. Peru won. Uh, Australia have suffered. But, you know, I was looking at that uh, African qualifiers in Ghana who were a mess leading up to uh, Nigeria. And look where Ghana are now. So I I don't want to take anything for granted (laughs) in this one. Uh, All right. So let's uh, let's take let's take a break here. When we come back, James Ben, Jonathan Johnson will discuss about the pots. Obviously, let's talk about the favorites, uh, you know, a pot by pot format or, or who are the teams to avoid, I guess. Maybe uh, have some fun with some group of death. We can do some simulator games. I don't know. We'll get to it. But there is a lot of excitement regarding the favorites, of course, the pot two teams who are no slouches. Uh, and we'll see how that goes. Jonathan Johnson, James, Ben, Jeremy, World Cup draw preview. We'll be right back. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to Kigo Lasso, James Bench, Jonathan Johnson, World Cup Draw Preview. All right, boys. James Bench, uh, Jaime Macias was with us uh, a few days ago. Uh, a great, great journalist, obviously, doing a lot of content here in the U.S., MLS in Espanol. He has his own podcast, Football Infinito. He was part of the BN Sports team, knows a lot, obviously, an encyclopedia, as Des Norris and I always call him because he knows so much. But he did make a very good point about I'm these sure you odds. say the same things about me behind my back. <laughs> oh, all the time. All the time. <laughs> You're, Jaime Macias is the Equatorian James Bench. That's what I always say. Uh, but we have some very exciting pots here, obviously, and a lot of fun games to play ahead of the draw. And Jaime said, you know, the pots have never been more evenly matched. And I, I, I agree. I think, uh, you know, the, the, the thin margins are, are crazy. Talk to me about uh, the difference between the pot one favorites and everybody else, James. 
Yeah, you, I I would agree with that. Although I have to confess, I haven't thought about it at great length, but I just kind of quickly got them up. And the interesting thing is, until I think 2014 was the last World Cup where you had seeds, and then everyone else was sort of split by region. Obviously, we will still sort of see those regional splits, so that you can only have a maximum of two European countries, and then you know all the Asian countries, all the South American countries kept apart. Um, so you kind of end up now with. In theory, that should kind of make it a little bit less likely that you get a group of death because you have teams that are almost sort of um, tiered off. And yet, I think there is, there's so, such a small margin between, say, a Mexico and right the way down to Cameroon. So the best team in pot two, according to FIFA rankings, is Mexico. The, the best team in pot four, Cameroon. Like, throw a blanket over those teams. I don't know which I'd rather face. Um it, I think it, there's a chance for multiple groups of death that yeah. I think, you know, you keep doing the simulator and I just think, my God, it could be anywhere. Sorry, Bench, to interrupt, but like, no, it's, exactly. it's really tough, especially Senegal, part three. Senegal are no joke. And they're in part three. Ecuador, I'm telling you right now, everybody watch out for them. And they're in part four. So, you know, I did a group of death bench on HQ earlier and I did a, and it was England, Germany, Senegal, Ecuador. That to Ooh. me is tough. It's yeah, hard. Germany really. I think kind of if you go through pot by pot, you're definitely right that Germany, Senegal, and, and an Ecuador or Ghana, or Canada. Yeah. I mean, obviously you can't have Senegal and Ghana. They are really fiddly, and I think for whatever reason, I the only. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. They may not lose all their games, but the whipping boys in pot one, the the team that everyone will be begging to draw is seeded Qatar. So mm. if you are England, you don't have. It won't be as easy as it would normally be because they'll be the hosts and, and all that will help. Yeah. But you would want you would want Qatar. They are probably, and if you look at the FIFA rankings, I think they are the second lowest ranked of the teams currently there. Only Ghana are below them. And Ghana, it, it's just a bit weird. I think AFCON had a big impact on their rankings. So yeah. there is nothing. I mean, I don't know why specifically this tournament, but there's nothing but good teams in this draw <laughs> I'd, I'd see i see i'd contend that people will be quite happy to draw well, people in the pop two three and four will be quite happy to come up against a team like portugal and i've spoken at length already about how mm. lucky i think portugal are to be at the world cup they're even luckier to still be uh you know one of the top seeds I think that, you know portugal have the potential to to make one of these uh, a, a group of death because you look at some of those uh, teams in pot two and they're very very formidable opponents you know germany when it comes to a big international tournament yes i know uh, last time out when they were defending champions uh, they underwhelmed but germany at a world cup never underestimate them uh, you know we've spoken about the swiss already uh, lme mentioned them croatia as well when it comes to a big international tournament usually turn it on denmark uh, as well you know obviously the the heroes of euro 20 20 uh, you know there's so much quality in that second part and i'd argue that there are some candidates who you know can perhaps feel aggrieved that they weren't put in the top part i mean we always knew uh with qatar being hosts that there was going to be at least one nation that the the majority of teams will fancy going up against uh in this world cup despite the fact that they're hosts uh you know but then you look into that third pot as well uh you know and there are some very very uh tasty potential matchups there yeah, so Desnors, uh, yeah. sorry, Bench, before you jump in, Desnors, shut out that, uh, shut shut the pot again, because let's play a fun game, Bench here. Uh, pick, pick, pick up, pick a team from each pot that you just don't want, like you just don't want them. 
don't want them from an England point of view, or yeah, I don't I want guess. any from an England point of view. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, just yeah. go straight to the final. Well, I guess, I guess, if you're a neutral, right? So let's say, yeah. like, for, so for me, right? If I'm Peruvian and Peru hopefully makes it in, right? We'll be in pot four, so I can look ahead to pot one, pot two, pot three. I don't want Brazil, first of all. I know them, and they do very well outside of Europe in a World Cup situation. Chiche's last campaign in a World Cup. Uh, they've achieved the most record points in South America. I don't want England. They've not, they haven't lost a qualifier. They've got a depth of time. I don't want France, but then Spain. And then I go to part two. And then I see the equally amount of tough games. The Netherlands, who knows what they'll do. And on the third one, I think that somebody like Serbia should not be underestimated. We've mentioned Senegal, of course, Japan. But Tunisia are very stingy. Uh, from an international perspective. And then finally, Canada and Cameroon. So, Bench, give me some teams that you really don't want. If you're just, a, I guess if you're England, you can do that. Yeah, if you're, yeah. you know, England, who do you not, who do you not want if you're England? So, I think kind of looking down in, in pot two, I'm immediately taken by two in particular of the European teams in Germany, just because I think there is a particular English neuroses that even Euro 2020 didn't banish, uh, and Croatia. <laughs> alongside them i know that they made it pretty hard for themselves um but uruguay particularly because yep. then in pottery i really don't want serbia if there's a way you could not get that team that would be great <laughs> serbia senegal tough japan as well i don't think um then into pot four i think the ones you mentioned LME, cameroon ecuador ghana i'm going to flip this on my head as well and kind of do what the pot teams will think is obvious as their ideal draw mm. not least des norris you can cut from here Ideal draw for a pot one team absolutely involves the USA. They're the team I'd want to draw ahead of Mexico. Um, then give me career. I think I would say that they're yeah. all good teams there, but they're, they're possibly the least good. And reliant um, on specific individuals. That's always how I see it in the World Cup as well. I mean, South Korea are a very good team, but you take away some key players mm. and you can maybe break them down. Keep going. And then... I mean, I hate to say it, LME, but Peru or whoever they, whoever knocks them out will kind yep. of be the team everyone wants. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's my, my dream draw. If I'm England, God, is, is England. USA, Korea, Peru, <laughs> England, Peru in the same group is going to kill me. <laughs> it's going <laughs> to just to make you suffer. Yeah, I know. Uh, Jonathan Johnson. Yeah. For me, uh, I mean, I guess I'm doing this from a French point of view, uh, you know, there's a there's a few teams to be wary of uh, in pot two. I mean, especially given that France have started to look a bit flakier, uh, you know, over the last few months. I mean, basically since they won the World Cup in 2018. And obviously we know all about, uh, you know, that, that well-known phenomenon that is the defending champions of the World Cup struggling and often going out in the group stage. Now, for me... I mean, I think it would be pretty harsh on neutrals if France draw Croatia again, given that they're going to play each other twice in the summer in the UEFA yeah, Nations we don't League. Want that. Yeah. So we I don't think we need a repeat of that. I mean, Uruguay, you know, there's always a little bit of beef there. Uh, you know, we saw that at the 2018 World Cup as as France made their way towards, uh, yeah. you know, their their ultimate triumph. I mean, I think if you're going to pick a team that's potentially favourable towards them, I'd go for a a USMNT or a Mexico. Uh, I think France would fancy themselves against either one of those two. Um, I think as well, when you're looking in pot three, uh, Senegal could be very tasty. I don't think France would necessarily fancy that. Uh, I think perhaps in Iran, uh, a career again, uh, you know, a good, a good shot, but Tunisia as well, you know, that would also be, uh, you know, pretty intense, uh, you know, 
Morocco as well. I mean, given you know, given uh, you know the the makeup of France's population, that's three potential major rivalry games uh, that could come into being. So I think I'd go for if if France wants a, an easy route to the or an easier route to the to latter stages, like looking at an Iran, uh, you know, or, or a Korea. Uh, and then again, pot four, Cameroon, uh, you know, another potential rival match. I'm wary of saying Saudi Arabia are potentially the the the, the team that you'd want to pick uh, yeah. at this moment in time. It could be annoying. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess I'd go for an Ecuador. I'm uh, I'm 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 not going to do you the disservice. Uh, LME of saying that the Peru would be the be the easy draw. I mean, I do, I do hope that it's ultimately Peru getting into pot four. But for yeah. me, I think uh, Canada definitely have wildcard potential well, given uh, you know some of their quality elements uh and i don't cameroon want france again i'm telling you that right now <laughs> cameroon suddenly with a new with a new coach as well uh yeah. so for me I, I think i'd pick an ecuador there james bench by the way ecuador they're the nba's memphis grizzlies they're the soccer version of memphis grizzlies they are young they don't give up about you and they just keep going on their day they could be very very scary on their day though because they go the other way as well let's do this for a second What's the mood around uh, your teams? Obviously, uh, both, uh, you know, you know, James, you're based in England, English, of course. What's the what's the mood around England? It's usually pretty relaxed at this moment, is it not? Or, or how do you see it? Yeah, it is, it is pretty relaxed. And there's a degree of confidence that, you know, England tend to have whatever the circumstances this far out from a World Cup because they are experts at qualifying. But this time, at least that confidence feels earned. They are clearly on the right trajectory. And the past less than a year since the Euro 2020, Euro 2020 final in 2021 has seen their, their players progress further. I think this is going to be a much better team, even than the one that got to the final. You know, I think we've seen Saka, uh, Foden, all take leap. Fat Saka, Foden, the centre-backs, Jude Bellingham right now kind of looks like the answer in midfield, along with Declan Rice. This team looks really good. And I think the challenge for Southgate now is a little bit different. It's about keeping those expectations in check, whilst also harnessing the belief and the delight and the optimism that this nation has provided. The other thing to mention very quickly is this whole Harry Maguire situation, booing him. It was only a few fans, but booing him at Wembley in their last game. You saw how Southgate really looked to stamp down on that quickly, and I'm sure he will do that with any other players that get grief because the likes of Maguire, Pickford, they're not playing that well at club level at the moment, but they have continually delivered for England. Um, and that's a good place to be in, that you can supplement that with a with a player like Aaron Ramsdale, and let those two compete. You've got one player that is in great club form and another that you know delivers for England. So it's really good. And that is worrying me, LME. That is stressing me out. <laughs> before, before I jump in uh, on France, I've got two questions. I mean, I would phrase them as like million dollar questions, but I guess they'll be like 500K each. Uh, <laughs> one is, is this when football finally comes home for England? And two, when is it socially acceptable to start playing? Uh, football's coming home, like blowing it out <laughs> over the airwaves. <laughs> it's got to be mid-October, hasn't it? It's, there's no such thing as too soon, though. When, when the flags get broken out as yeah. well. It's going to be after the summer, like whatever. I, I mean, yeah. it's, if you kind of sit down and say who might win the World Cup, I think you would do well to name more than four teams that you would put ahead of England. 
So ahead of England. Okay. Who's that? I think you maybe have a top four. Like I'm just about to start writing out our power rankings and adjust them based on the group. But I think you have Brazil. Yep. France. Yep. Then I would have England, I think with Argentina. And that's, there's a tier of four that I think are, should be disappointed if they don't reach the final, win the world cup or at the very least the semifinals. And then I think everyone else is a level below even Spain, even an improving Germany. Belgium, all those. I think England are, for once, not due to some blind British optimism. Genuinely, they belong in the the top tier of favourites. No, I think that's a very good... I I think I go exactly what you just said. And Argentina, by the way, haven't lost a game in 31 matches, Mm. uh, albeit uh, they've played the majority of them against non-Europeans, so we have to see with that. But they don't rely on Messi anymore, and that makes it very, very scary. JJ, a good question. What say you? <laughs> well, first of all, when is it socially acceptable to play? It's coming home, do you think? For me, you know, I agree. I agree with Benj. It's going to have to be, uh, you know, just sort of in the in the month, the build up to it. But, you know, given that we're going to have a World Cup that comes after the summer, who knows? Perhaps it's going to be a, a feel good uh, summertime hit. Uh, yeah. No, but moving moving on to well, before you move on, it's going to be. I think we're going to have a lot of remixes. That's what's going to happen in the summer. <laughs> when are they? Um, when is it socially acceptable to play that that song from 2018? Was it the uh, Ramona Lacoupe? Whatever it's oh, called. that one. Oh, uh, that, I mean that—that's—that's—that's that, that's, that's your standard sort of like Friday night material. Like yes. go out for a, go out for a few drinks with the lads. You know, someone will request that at the bar, like along with some Daft Punk. Anyway, but but it's funny though. I mean, on on France, I mean, there was a sort of quite a fatalistic feeling after the embarrassment of the Euros. Uh, you know, and, and sort of when you look at it or look back at it cold, obviously the the capitulation against Switzerland, the way uh, that it fell apart towards the end and forced them to go to penalties, was disappointing. But no real shame to actually getting uh, you know eliminated by a very solid uh, Swiss side. It was more the manner. Um, but I think as well, that defeat has given France, uh, you know, this new hunger. I mean, obviously, they're not going to be world and European champions at the same time unless they defend their crown uh, in the World Cup and get another shot at it uh, later on. But it's, uh, you know, it, it now feels like this French side got the wake-up call they needed. Deschamps started to experiment with a lot of different systems, different players coming in. Uh, Jonathan Clos uh, coming in from Lens. Uh, I think that's a very good call, especially given that France seemed to now play with the right wing back. Uh, and Kingsley Coman, as good as he was when he was experimented with in that position, I don't think he's going to cut it um, at an international tournament. So suddenly there's a feeling now around France that, well... You know, we've gotten uh, the worst of it out of our system. Uh, I think they will fancy themselves in the in the Nations League. You know, we already saw them have success in that uh, recently. And and now when you've got somebody like Benzema back in the fold as well, uh, you know, Giroud has come back in to replace him through injury, still doing the business. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of reasons, uh, you know, to be optimistic for France. And it feels like the question of ego has now slightly died down a little bit because obviously that was something that threatened to, disra- to derail them um, at the Euros when they finally brought Benzema back in after years in the cold. Yeah, let's not forget, by the way, uh, pertaining to England, France and all the big teams that because this is in November, you won't have the psychological obstacle of players thinking, where am I going to play next or whatever? Who knows? You know, killing where, am I, where am I going to go on holiday? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although it, it could really, I'm fascinated by how it's going to affect the first few months of this season. Like for me, the prime the example, yeah, yeah. if Wales get to the World Cup, do you would you sign Gareth Bale? 
Yeah, my theory here is he is not he is basically and I, I don't mind I don't think this is something we should judge him for, but he could just like he might just not turn up really, like just train, just not really play games, not commit to challenges. So I kind of think why sign him? He's he's yeah. not going to want to risk playing at the World Cup. Yeah, we'll just go. Are there, are there any golf? Are there any golf right? tournaments he can play in, sort of in the build-up, so that he gets in enough training? When's the Masters? That's in the spring, so he needs something else. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, my only point about Peru, by the way, obviously, aside from the fact that I hope that they make it uh, to make it for a consecutive fifth spot appearance, uh, you know, and put themselves in this situation is amazing. We have no superstars. We don't have many players in Europe. None play in giant big clubs. So what Ricardo Gareca has done is amazing. And when he leaves the inevitable exit of Gareca of Peru, there's going to be a lot of teams that should be interested. This is an incredible manager who's literally gotten gold out of stones. So, you know, the fact that we're in this situation in the first place, you know, fighting off Colombia, who are not at the World Cup, Chile and their golden generation, the last part, who are not at the World Cup, and only two points behind Ecuador in qualifiers is kind of an achievement. So that we'll see what happens there. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, fantastic stuff from these two, Jonathan Johnson, John underscore Le Gossip, and at James Bench. Let's have final thoughts before we say goodbye. You could go anywhere, perhaps, who you think will win the World Cup. That could be an interesting. You don't have to do that one. Uh, but any final thoughts that perhaps we haven't mentioned? Jonathan Johnson. Uh, no, just uh, really looking forward to seeing what actually gets thrown up. And uh, I guess I'm going to go for violence, uh, you know, push the, the, ma- the push the madness button and hope that we get a really, really crazy group. I love it. Uh, I am going to, unlike cowardly Jonathan Johnson, I am going to stick my head above the parapet and say that I think Argentina are going to win the World Cup wow. because it's messy and it's written in the stars. Just... Oh, for, 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 for a winner, I'm going to I'm going to back France. There you go. Excellent. I love and then, it. And then, and, then, and then I think that Zidane will come in uh, with the goal of winning the Euros. <laughs> that, oh, that would be fantastic. I'm going to go with Brazil winning the World Cup. Uh, I think they uh, are due one. And Chiche's last World Cup, I feel they'll be up for it. Kind of like what James Bench is doing when he chose Duke to win uh, March Madness, which is kind of looking very good these days, I feel, James you just Sometimes you just click the button mark narrative and... <laughs> <laughs> I, I was checking our, our brackets the other day. I think I'm like top top 10 or something. I'm telling you, man. I think if you win, I think you might win the whole thing, James Bench. I, I'm not, I'm telling you. Final four, here I come. Unbelievable. But anyway, uh, so happy to have these two, Jonathan Johnson, James Bench, follow all their content on CBS Sports. They'll also be obviously covering the entire draw and reacting to it, et cetera, et cetera. Jonathan Johnson actually wrote a great preview ahead of the draw as well. So make sure you check that out. And of course, domestic club competition returns this weekend. So we'll make sure to give you a lot of action next week and the Champions League as well. There's a lot going on. Of course, this game never stops. James Bench, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. JJ, always appreciate you. Cheers, guys. Always a pleasure. Thank you, everybody. Kegolasopod on Twitter, cbsports.com, your CBS Sports app. And of course, wherever you listen to your pods and YouTube, dot com forward slash get golazo like and subscribe thank you so much we'll see you next time okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.